Jesus says, here is discipleship. To revalue everything, reassessing worth, reassigning worth, and giving greatest worth to what? Your eternal soul. We all have a soul which will live forever. All of us made in the image of God, we all had a beginning. We're not like God. God didn't have a beginning. But we are like God in that we have no end. Having been created, we all have a soul that will exist forever, for eternity. We will either live before God or eternally die before God's wrath. And Jesus' plain and straightforward point here is to say there are two valuations to take place here. And the one who comes after me is the one who recognizes the eternal soul and its value and says, that's the last thing to go. That's the thing that stays on the boat. Now he says, of What sort of an exchange would it be if all of the world was offered in exchange for that, for that eternal soul? What sort of exchange would that be? What could you give in exchange for your soul? Who would forfeit your soul in exchange for the whole world? Now, Jesus is the only one who has ever lived that could truly make that choice between all of the world and the eternal soul. None of us could ever make that choice because none of us have ever been faced with that reality. Jesus is the only one that was. Remember in chapter 1, He goes into the wilderness and remember the tempter comes to Him, the adversary comes to Him. And in Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 4, the tempter comes to Him and shows Him, we're told, all the kingdoms of the world and says, all of these are yours if you'll bow down. So Jesus faced that reality. We don't. There's many, been many people who have tried to. There's been many people who own vast resources, vast lands, vast fortunes, but not the whole world. But nevertheless, the point is the same. Jesus using hyperbole here says, what if the choice were between all of the possessions in existence? What if the choice were between all of the lands, all of the possessions, all of the gold, all of the precious stones, all of the possessions known to man, the choice between that and eternity, the eternal soul, Jesus says, what sort of a comparison is that? This is inviting us to put ourselves into the very difficult position of asking this question, of imagining this question being asked to us in that moment that Revelation speaks of on that day when Jesus will say, depart from me. I didn't know you. And be thrown into the pit that is prepared for the devil and his angels. And in the moment, if you can just imagine the horror of hearing those words, I don't know you, depart into the pit. If you could just imagine in that moment the angels whom 
Matthew 13 tells us in that parable of, of the net and how Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a net and in the net were bad fish and good fish. And at the end of the age, the angels will sort them out. Or in the same chapter, the wheat that grew alongside the tares and Jesus says in the end of the age, the angels will sort that out. And so in that way, if you can imagine those angels that come and grab you and are casting you into that pit in that moment, the question is, what would you trade? Would you trade half of your possessions? Would you trade three quarters of your possessions? Would you trade every possession? that you've ever owned for one more hour, for one more minute? Would you trade everything in that moment? And Jesus says, it's like the ship that's going down. Everybody throws overboard that which is of less value. And this is Jesus' point. What would anyone give in exchange for an eternal soul? Your eternal existence. There's nothing that can be given in exchange for that, even if you had all the possessions of the world. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world, forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So Jesus is saying here, there's a clear comparison. Those who are my disciples, deny self, take up cross, follow me, reevaluate all of life, Reevaluate all the things of this life, all the things of this world, and say in their heart, I value him and my eternal soul with him as far greater than all these things. It's a simple message. It's a straightforward message, but it is a powerful message that Jesus is giving to us here. So let's recognize that all of us, all of us have an attraction to this world. All of us do. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you've been a follower of Christ. I don't, know, I don't care how devoted you are to Christ. If you search your heart, you won't have to search long and you will see that you still have affection for this world. As James will say in James chapter 4, verse 1, we all have passions. We all have earthly, worldly passions. And as much as we would like to say with the psalmist in Psalm 73, nothing on this earth compares with you. What have, I in, what have I in heaven or earth besides you? You are everything. As much as we would want to say that, we all must begin by saying we can't really say that. Because all of us still have worldly, earthly passions. For us to deny that would be 1 John 1 verse 8 saying that we have no sin. It would be tantamount to us declaring ourselves to be the moral equivalent of Jesus who had no earthly passions, who had no worldly desires. He had no competition in his heart with the love for God. His love for his father was a, was a love that was unthreatened by anything in this world. And so we recognize that we still live in a world that has attraction for us. We still live in a world in which our heart is connected to this world in deep ways. And this is, by large measure, God's process of sanctification, of weaning us from this love of the world that Jesus says, most fundamental to those who follow me 
are those who have reassessed the value. Now, what I want to point out now, just in our last few moments here, is it seems that in verse 36 and verse 37, Jesus is now going to make something of a pivot, something of a, of a shift in his thrust. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So the paradox is, what can you give in return for your soul? That, that, that something that seems to defy common sense of giving something in return for a soul. So let's now make just a little bit of a shift. I think that we're following Jesus' train of thought if we make a little bit of a pivot and we think now of soul in these terms. The image of God that we bear, the soul that God created, there is one reality about our soul that is very important for us to see. One of the things, one of the many things that makes us different from everything else that God has created is that He created us with a soul and our soul has the capacity, has the capability of knowing and loving God. And that is the difference. Well, one of the differences. That is the difference between us and everything else that God created. We have the capability of having a loving relationship with God. Nothing else does. Nothing. Psalm 19 tells us that the creation can and does glorify God. The stars in heaven glorify God. Only those who have a soul are capable of knowing Him and loving Him. This is the sense in which Jesus is saying there's an exchange. And what would you exchange for that in you which is capable of knowing and loving your Father. What would you exchange for that? What would, they, what would that be worth? What would you exchange for the relationship of love and acceptance offered to the followers of Christ? What would you exchange for that? What would you exchange for that infinite worth, the infinite value of an eternal, never-dying soul that was capable of knowing and loving Him, yet was exchanged, that capability of knowing Him was, it was exchanged for anything else, even up to all the kingdoms of the world. That's Jesus' forceful point. That's Jesus' exclamation point, that He's saying, this, disciples, you have heard me describe the disciple." The one who denies self, takes up cross, and follows me. The hardest thing you can imagine, denying self, taking up cross, the hardest thing that you can imagine, let me give you some encouragement. Let me give you some motivation. Contemplate this. Meditate upon this. What I offer to those who are my followers can't be, can't be compared to all the treasures of the world. What I offer to those who are my followers can't be compared. If you possessed everything, there's still no comparison because the human soul has infinite worth. Infinite worth. Brothers and sisters, this should do a number of things in our soul if we meditate upon this. One of the things that it should do is this should really shape and form how we think of everyone that we interact with. 
Notice what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say, what would you exchange for the soul of one who's been redeemed, of one who is a good follower of me? Jesus puts it in universal terms to say, all souls have this value. All souls have a value that cannot be compared to every possession known to man. All souls have an infinite worth. If we could really marinate that into our souls, what a difference would that make? If we would truly have the ability, have the sanctified ability to see others as Jesus sees them, seeing the most distasteful, the most unpleasant people in our life as possessing of the infinite possession of a soul, the possession that cannot be compared to anything here on earth, that which was made in the image of God and possessing of eternal life, either life with Him or life apart from Him. If we could see all people through that lens... What a difference would that make? Seeing the infinite value of all people with whom we interact. But then the last thing that we can point out would be this. Just meditate upon what I would call, I don't know if these are the best words, but this is what I came up with. The sorrowful burden of God. The sorrowful burden of God. We think of the world population, we're told that some 160,000 people pass from this life into the next life every hour globally. If we do the math, that comes to about two people a second. Now, if we were to say, well, not all those people that pass into eternity are passing into an eternity of eternally dying, but the statistics are not very comforting because we're told that some maybe 8% of the world's population identifies as evangelical Christians. And we know the tendency of people to claim that title when they really don't have saving relationship with Christ. But let's just go with 8%. Let's just go with 8% and say 8%, which still doesn't make a, a, a dent in the two people per second. And just imagine for just a moment of every second that passes, two infinitely valuable souls pass into eternity. And the sorrowful burden that God must bear for that. Now, we believe firmly and we believe deeply that the Bible teaches us that God has a chosen people that are His people that He has sovereignly acted upon to bring salvation to their heart. We believe that because the Bible tells us that all over the place. But we also believe that the Bible teaches us quite plainly that God, though He has a people that He has chosen to act savingly upon, nevertheless doesn't sit back at those who pass into eternity without a knowledge of Him. He doesn't look back and say, I don't care about them whatsoever. Instead, the Scriptures teach us that each one that passes into eternity without knowledge of Christ is a tremendous burden for Him. Ezekiel 33 and verse 11 tells us quite plainly, God says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. None. Or the words of Peter in 2 Peter, where Peter says quite plainly and quite clearly, it is God's desire in some way 
that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of Him. Now, this touches upon matters that we, as humans, we cannot fully understand. We cannot fully understand a God who sovereignly chooses His people and yet also sovereignly chooses to pass over others and yet is sorrowful over all. We can't understand all that because we are human. Nevertheless, the Scriptures teach us that there are souls of infinite value who do not know Christ in a saving way that pass into eternity and God is burdened by that. We should take from that that our hearts should be burdened by that which burdens God. That we should train our hearts and our souls to see all people as God sees them, as possessing of infinite worth and infinite value, such that Jesus will say, nothing on earth could be exchanged for that soul. 